0: Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy. Discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. All right!
1: Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Randy, how's it going?
2: Hey, Jake, I'm doing good today. How are you?
1: I'm doing wonderful. So, um, as we record this, I'm in Portland. But by the time this airs, I should be in lovely Hawaii, uh, hopefully jamming at uh, Kualoa Ranch again.
2: Yeah. Well, I also know that you will have completed a a bike trip. Like you're going to do a bike ride on the Big Island, and where 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 did that happen?
1: Oh, yeah. This is really cool. So, a bunch of, of friends. It's they, they call it the couples ride. So, a bunch of friends. Uh, get together with uh, husband and wife or boyfriend girlfriend, and uh, we rent a bunch of we rent two houses, and then we bike ride for the weekend in Volcano National Park. It's gonna ah. be amazing. I've never done it before, but I'm really looking forward to it. I've been to the park one time, and uh, it's just beautiful. I'm very much looking forward to it. I think well, the last time I was there, we could—I didn't actually see the lava, but where we were, we could see the glow off in the distance over the horizon. Um, it was night, so it was full moon, but the lava was over there glowing. It was just like, oh my god, this is intense.
2: Yeah, so, it's kind of wild. That's an—it's an active, an active volcano area still. Yeah, totally. Uh,
1: so, with that, talking about exciting things, let's uh, bring in our our guest for this episode. So. Uh, This time we'll be talking to Joey Hudachlan. And so in the last episode with him, he talked a little bit about that magical once-in-a-lifetime tipping series that he did uh, that's up online. Uh, But he just barely talked about it, and the reason was because we lost him on the call. And so when we got him back, he went back into way more detail. And so we're going to start this episode off with uh, his second description, which has much more detail, and it'll be very fascinating to hear. So uh, with that, let's
0: bring Joey into the call. Chipper released his his best throw with massive ease on lefty counter release, and uh, I was really in the zone. And my concept of putting together combos is to try to do one move into the next one that that I have planned, two planned moves in a row, maybe three. If I can get through the third planned move. Or the second one, uh, then it's what is the next best available move for me to do without going back to a the. This is so it was my point in the routine to do to showcase my tipping. Uh, I had a, a double spinning tip under the leg thing that I had stolen from Donnie that I wanted to start it with. And I think it, but I think I shortened it to a one and a half just to be safe. And I did a one and a half under the leg. Into a double spinning the other the same direction um, under the other leg. So I had those two, and that those were my first two moves. So I wanted to get the hardest ones out of the way in the beginning, and the thing was perfect after the first two moves. So I think I may have doubled back the other way and done a spinning the opposite way under the leg double under the leg tip, and and it was still perfect. So I think I went into some alternating behind-the-back tips, and then a few miscellaneous tips in the middle. And the way my tipping concept works is to, if I'm going to be spinning, I need to tip it high so I have, can spot the disc and get to the next one, have time to get to the next tip. And so the first tips were very high with the spins. As the combination went on, the tips got a little bit closer and lower, and they started going faster in succession more rapid fire so by the end I think I it was 16 tips and there was by the end I was going back I was alternating hands underneath both legs without any spins so it became a faster and faster the the pace picked up as the combo went on the the excitement factor kicked in as well and then I ended with a a one and a half jumping flamingo catch which I wanted to be a true barrel but I jumped too soon, and I couldn't get up. The disc was late, was coming down, and I was I don't know, timing was off. So I had Luckily, I caught caught it the way I did, and I knew right then it was the greatest tipping combo I've ever done anywhere because of the cadence of it and the pace, the way it picked up, and I incorporated almost all the different tips that I could do from the most difficult ones in the beginning to the easier ones all through. And I, you know, when when I saw the video, I it's a it's a very proud you know moment for me to have that documented.
1: You definitely deserve to be proud. Uh, that was amazing, an amazing tipping combo, and you could tell people loved it because the audience was just screaming when you did it.
2: I think what's also awesome about that combo is that it's done so smoothly and effortlessly. It appears, and you just don't realize how. Difficult and technical that is. You just made it look like it was effortless, and that is also the beauty of that combo.
0: Well, thank you. Um, You know, back in the day, uh, old timers speak here. um, You know, we would uh, uh, a lot of our combinations were based on moving our bodies around the disc. So the disc often would be would stay in, in one up and down plateau. We weren't doing so many um, vertical maneuvers at the time, so uh, a lot of it was horizontal or slightly less horizontal. But a lot of it then was moving our body around the disc. Things have changed; the the, the game has changed, and uh, and it's great that there's different ways to do things now. But that was more prominent back then than it is now. And that's what that was: the disc kind of stayed in one place, and I moved around the disc.
1: So, Joey, who are the players that you've never competed with but you wish you had?
0: Well, Randy, Shills, both of them. Well, let me rephrase that. I did compete with Amy one time. She wasn't truly who she is now as a freestyler, not by even a long shot. But again, I'd like to give that another try. But, um, you know, I, I could go on a, a, a longer list, but of the players who were more contemporary, to me, I would have to say, you know, Randy and Dave Schiller, Amy Schiller, you know, there's obviously some state-of-the-art players. And I'll just quickly add, I'm not just saying this to, for any other reason except for the truth, is that uh, last uh, year in Virginia, when you, Jake, and James and I got to jam, it was really the first time that you and I had connected on a, on a field like we did that that day and i got to feel your your concept of how you put what you want to do next kind of thing and uh it was able to anticipate a little bit and we had a real good time and james i know a little better uh, a lot better and you know i would love to try that sometime as well yeah that would be
1: amazing i would be up for that and you're right that was an amazing jam the three of us had we were all clicking i don't know it doesn't always happen when you're in a jam. With other people and everybody's on the same page and everything's working but that's what was going on there so that's my
0: favorite uh, yeah that was uh, that was a real exhilarating moment and 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 randy you know i mean you know i don't like to choreograph anymore you know but you're you are the master choreographer at this point and you and i could i'm sure you i'm sure you could direct me <laughs> at this point it, it's a, doing something pretty great and fun
2: so yeah so would you wear the tutu
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, well well Joey, that's an honor to to have you even put me on that list. And and it's weird. Our paths kind of missed a little bit. I mean, not a little bit, a lot of bit. So I checked out in whatever, 80, 81. I didn't come back till 88-89. And so that was kind of a period where really was a big chunk of your, you know, frisbee competing, like that was your living, that was your life, the Bud Light, all of that stuff. And so I kind of missed out on all of that.
0: I'm I really sorry you it. did.
2: Yeah, me too. I, I look back and it's also been, you know, talking with all these folks. I'm like, God, I missed this rich period. I mean, I was still playing, but, you know, theater was my passion and I was following my other passion.
0: Well, I'm glad you came back. And so me are too. many others.
2: know i like to choreograph but you know i i I will say my favorite is just to go get lost in the jam you know choreographing and putting together routines is certainly is something i like to lean into but really my joy is where the jam is
0: yeah well you're adapted so so much in both areas you know that's why you one of the reasons why you're so exciting as a performer your natural abilities
1: i want to ask about Craig Smith a little bit, because I know very little about your relationship with Craig. But I want to tell a quick story, and then I'll ask you the question. Um, So, Laurie and I got married uh, a couple of years ago, and we had a jam in Santa Barbara in Palm Park the next day. A whole bunch of people showed up, and we were jamming, and everything was great. Jam was kind of winding down, and this guy walks by. He looks at us, and he just walks into the jam and starts playing. And I'd never seen this guy in my life. And he's amazing. He's like doing uh, the the outside rim delay behind his back, shooting it up into the air and just spinning catches. Like, who the heck is this guy? So I was exhausted but I rallied. I ran out there and started jamming with him. And uh I said, man, your game reminds me of Joey Hudaklin. I think I'm giving him a compliment, and he goes, well, who do you think taught Joey how to airbrush? <laughs> go, Dang, who is this guy? So it turns out that was Craig Smith. Uh, and so what I've learned later is that you used to play with Craig Smith a lot, and you had kind of a different style at that point that you were pushing in your game and in competition. So I just wanted to ask, how did you guys meet, and how did he influence your game? And-
0: I'm glad you brought, brought him up. Uh, he's a huge, huge influence for me. So grateful to had that uh, time with him. He's a he was born and raised in Santa Barbara. So, uh, in fact, Evan David is from Santa Barbara. So, Craig and Evan were actually playing freestyle minimalist in in like high school or something in the early seventies, and they were airbrushing probably you know right at the onset of anybody. And they had that the wind there to to work with. Craig was there, and but he's a different he's a different bird. He plays with no nails. He's almost exclusively clock. He likes to play with a small disc. He likes a 119, a super pro. For him, a uh, sky scholar, as he calls it, is like playing with a big boat. Because so he's, sail- he's a sailor. It's like steering a big boat as opposed to a fast little sailboat. He has a very refined airbrush touch. He's the airbrush king. Uh, Captain C is his nickname because he's a sailor. We, we played throughout the years here and there. But uh, after I basically, after the Bud Light team came to an end, late 88, I started playing with Craig. We started hanging out. I was working for him. Uh, he's a, uh, just tile. So I was his assistant basically, and uh, we would jam afterwards, so he started uh, introducing me to the smaller disc, which I always liked anyway, but this was different because it, be- we were, it became almost an exclusive clock jam. A lot of speed flow and a lot of angular throws. Um, Craig did something for me that uh, that is was a real eye-opener. He pointed out with using the left side of the wind, so in other words, facing if you're facing directly into the wind, to start the move, usually with an you know an, air, an airbrush type move from 45 degrees to up to zero, which is straight up wind. So start the move to the left and utilize that portion of the flight because the disc always turns to the right, hyzers out, and will end up going to the right of the wind in at which point you you have to cuff it back so what's the point of starting directly into the wind when it's when you can utilize the left side which is where the you can really get some flat work uh because it's going to lift after one or two moves into the straight up position and from there to the right. So you could literally utilize two to four or five moves before the disc even turns to the right of the wind, where you're forced to cut it and bring it back. Then also utilizing the left pass, which is essentially an extreme left pass, almost a downwind pass. It would like if you get upwind and get hit on the top side of the disc and smash it down. He called it a tennis smash. Like getting up close to the net and smashing it down. So we would cross in front of each other, top the disc on the top end down, and force the other on the downside of the wind to you know bring it back up. And at which point you cross over behind and turn to the right again. And we use this crisscrossing pretzel pattern. To keep passing it between each other, which is you know, there's videos out there of Jay Hinkle and Scott Starr doing that, and Craig and I did that a lot. But that left the concept of utilizing the left side of the wind became all of a sudden. You know, I was like, oh yeah, like I, it was something that I knew, but I never really conceptualized it. So now when I'm, I always try to set it slightly to the left of the wind, and the opposite would be with counter, set it to slightly to the right side.
2: Interesting that he was a sailor, and he kind of brought that wind knowledge to the disc.
0: Exactly. Exactly, yeah. Very, very cool. Very, very fun period of time playing with him. And and then we brought Evan David into the into it. He's like, I'm going to get Evan to play with us. And I'm like, you are not. He's not going to come. And he's like, yeah, you watch. <laughs> and he got him. And uh, we played in the U.S. Open, and we actually made the finals. And that was a playing with a 119. And which was a really, really strange thing because we didn't make it out of the prelims. It might have been ninety one US Open. Um, we didn't make it out of the prelims, even though everybody thought we were like great and but we dropped it and it was the prelims. We dropped it a few you know, maybe six times or something in three minutes and we had a lot of exchanges and quick maneuvers and but we uh there was something that went on behind the scenes that They got us into the semifinals, and they changed their view on what was valid about what we were doing and how it related to the judging system. We got in the semis, and when the semis came around, the the judges were given a little bit of an update about what we were doing out there, and we got into the finals, and we were able to showcase our game. In the finals.
2: So do you what was it that happened behind the scenes? Curious if you
0: know or can share. Every, I don't really know. <laughs> I you know, I you know, I it, at the expense of somebody else, we we got pushed it. I mean it really, that's the only thing I can ex- I can say. If something got fudged. Somebody was was probably pretty unhappy about that, unfortunately.
2: What was your most satisfying tournament result?
0: That's um there was, There's two of them, and, uh, and one of them would be, well, my, my first FPA pairs uh, victory, which was 79. I don't know. It might be the only one I got, actually. I'm not really sure, but the first FPA Worlds, it was pretty cool. Richie and I won that one. So that was a nice one to get. And, and later on, there were two routines that were really, really gratifying. One was uh, Skippy and John Howe. Winning the worlds is a threesome thrown together on the fly. And we, you know, we beat the Coloradicals, which was a really hard thing to do. You know, we we just threw, threw our routine together and we're an impromptu team. You know, it was like, it was like one of those, I told you we could do it kind of things, you know, because we had to really, I don't know, we had to fight against our, what, you know, what, you know, oh, we can't beat the Coloradicals. You know, you can't, we we had to fight against that mindset, like, no, we can do this there's a way you know we we put together a routine uh really quick that was good enough with the the co-ops were good enough and we could catch them and then our strategy was to, to out difficulty to call the radicals so we, we and execute so we we had a choreography that was just good enough to you know be on the same page as those guys and and then we out difficultied them and executed. And I think, you know, sometimes when you go up before a team and you execute really well, it puts the pressure and they knew that they couldn't afford to drop too many. So once they did drop a couple, I think a couple more, they you know, it it affected it might have affected them a little bit and we ended up winning. And so that was really, really gratifying. And the other one was um Uh, Chipper and I in in Fort Collins, the indoor uh, in 1987, which was one of the best overall rounds of freestyle that I've ever seen. If you look at the entire video of all the teams in the finals that year, every team was in in their prime. We were we were all like 28, 29 years old, you know, with a lot of experience under our belt, in prime condition, uh, you know, performing and otherwise and the game had had matured at that point and everybody played and that was the weekend of the the uh oh my god the um the weekend of the uh the convergence of the planets where they all lined up everybody was it was like a love weekend and everybody was on a high and everybody played great and you know chip and i i think had two drops and chipper didn't show up until like five minutes before we had to play and i'm like oh i know he's gonna be here it's okay and he had been up all night and he showed up just in time and i had i cued our music and he's like what are we playing to and i'm like well i got this thing this yorma an acoustic thing and i got it queued to five minutes from the end and it's gonna play out to the end of the song and it's going to be really beautiful and just relax. Everything will be fine. And, and Chipper and I um, just were playing spontaneous at that point. We didn't really have a routine. We just had all this stuff that we had <clears throat> and we would go, okay, we'll start with this and then we'll do some of that and we'll do a little bit of that. And then we'll do this at the end. And, and we ended up with our, my favorite routine that we ever did. And Chipper, I found him in a heap Crying in the bathroom after the routine, I'm like, "Where's chipper I'm like, "Where is he?" I want to hug him, and he was in the bathroom on the floor, crying. And I'm like, "Oh, daddy He was like, "I'm so happy." That was the. That was the other one.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. So you know, Skippy has said that that is one of the greatest routines of all time. That indoor final, and you guys in particular, your routine.
0: Everybody was on fire that day. You got to look at all the routines. Velasco's brothers, Skippy and Tom. Gosh, I can't remember all the other teams, but everybody was on fire.
2: I I love how Joey describes that all the planets lined up and there was sort of this weekend of love and that everybody was on fire. And one of the things that I also found touching in how Joey reminisced about that experience was how he was looking for Chip and he couldn't find him and Chip was in the bathroom and just overcome with, with joy and tears. And that, you know, Chip was like, I'm so happy. And, uh, you know, I just, I I love that. I think that that is one of the great parts of being a human being is you get so overwhelmed with joy that you actually cry. (laughs) (laughs) It really is like tears of joy. It seems like such an oxymoron, but it's, it's one of the best feelings ever.
1: Yeah. Totally.
2: Yeah. Have you been there in regards to freestyle frisbee? I've uh, well, I've never cried actually, so I can't
1: say that I've had tears of joy. But I've walked off the field and just been so happy with how I played that definitely it's definitely been moving. Oh, so how about you? Have you been moved to tears?
2: I've I've only had one experience where I was where it just caught me off guard. I didn't expect to be announced the winner, and so when it happened, it really hit me. It one of chips tournaments, the Aloha Beach Festival. And I don't remember what year, but I played with Joel Rogers and uh, we played to Nirvana and I had just kind of come back onto the scene and was starting to you know, find my game again and played with Joel and we played really great. And I knew we'd played well, but I didn't think we would get the first place spot. They were announcing it and it got to third and I was like, oh my goodness, and they got to second. And I realized, oh my gosh, we had won and, and it hit me and I, I kind of had, I welled up. I, I just, I, I had to gather myself. But that was definitely a moment where I welled up, uh, wow. unexpectedly. That's cool.
1: Do you remember when we, you and Dave Lewis and I played co-op, uh, Prague, and we didn't know that we had won until they announced it? Oh yeah, that was that was pretty emotional for me, and I think it was for you too. I remember, or I Dave, I guess. I remember us all jumping up and down, and I think one of, I think it was you, maybe jumped on my back, and then. Somebody shook up a bottle of champagne and squirted it everywhere. We were so excited.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, he- it's a heady moment for sure. It, it really is, especially when you're not sure. And then when the announcement comes, it, it it just like moment of acknowledging what has just happened is very cool. Yep. It's very cool.
1: I love it. Well, um, with that, I just want to uh, say a special thank you to all of our supporters, all of those who donate uh, by, by merchandise and especially to our patrons, Uh, You really help us keep the lights on. And I just want to say we are $1 short from our first goal on Patreon. So if uh, anybody out there is not a patron yet and wants to help support us, go up to Patreon and become a supporter. And uh, we would really, really appreciate
2: it. Indeed. And Jake, with that, I will talk to you next week. Talk to you
1: next week.